In a few moments, I'm going to invite those who would like to come forward and receive the mark of the cross on their foreheads. And I'll say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. Now, this is based on ancient Hebrew traditions of dust being a sign of of humility and, and of recognition of repentance and their grief of their sins and for the sins of the people. Now, although I usually preach from the gospel, as do most of the priests and the servants of Christ, tonight I am so struck by the passages of Isaiah and the psalm that the Isaiah passage will actually become sort of the center of the Ash Wednesday message. I know Ash Wednesday message is about recognizing that we are going to die, and I don't want to lose that focus. In fact, last night I was with a family uh, who I gave last rites to their mother, who was a young mother, in the final hours of her life. It was a sacred experience of a sacramental ministry. That's one of the sacraments in in the church as last rites, just like marriage and confirmation, ordination. But for me, it also brought a contemplation because this young woman is the same age as my daughter, my oldest daughter, and she left behind three children. I imagine we all ponder life and death and how dependent we are on God for, for each breath, for each heartbeat. We are because he is, and he is good. And he ushered her into his kingdom as she was a believer and, and trusted his, his presence in her life. Now, many in the Eastern Orthodox Church refer to Lent as a season of bright sadness. On Ash Wednesday, I hope to encourage some thoughts along that lines. Lent is bright because of the expectation of the coming Messiah and sad because we caught, we We contemplate all it costs God, our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as you move tonight um, and ponder about Ash Wednesday, and we move into the season of prayer and fasting, I pray that this message will provide some helpful guidance in that process. Generally, when one thinks of Lent, it is something along the lines of, what am I going to give up? Or even, what am I going to start doing? But in reading Isaiah and Psalm passages today, they seem to be saying much, much more than that. Giving up something or starting a new action, they're good disciplines and they're important to do, but there's an element of self-centeredness in in that approach, if that's all Lent is for us. It's a time for me to suffer a little so I can be a better Christian or even just a better person in general. It's somewhat of a religious version of New New, uh, Year's resolutions. And if you're like me, I have about the same pattern of success, very little. But if you are a new Christian or the practice of Lent is new to you, this is a good place to start in terms of trying to get your mind around. It's not just punishing yourself. It's, it's clearing away barriers and things that are, are, that are blocking you from really abiding in Christ and, and knowing Christ. And so that may mean starting something. It may be stopping something. But it's more than that. You may want to look um, up Isaiah 58 um, in the Pew Bible. Let me give you a second for that. And while you're doing that, um, I just want to remind you that both John the Baptist and Jesus um, 
they quoted more from Isaiah than any other book in the Hebrew scriptures. Um, and he had a, a huge impact on our understanding of the suffering Messiah, of who Jesus was, of his concern for justice and oppression and for hungry and for a number of things. And actually, I think you'll recognize something in the, the scripture tonight when we take a look at that. Isaiah 58. So let's look at verse 1. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. The first step in, in recovery, the first step in healing from whatever trauma is recognizing that it's a problem. Recognizing that there's something here that, that I need to reconcile and I need to deal with. And so this, this scripture just says that you've, this is not just about going through a, a motion. This is about recognizing the transgressions of not only the individual, but the community, the larger community, and that there's a problem. And then the second verse, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation who did righteous and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And so there's an acceptance of responsibility. There's a recognition, there's a problem, there's an acceptance of responsibility that we've got to change. We've got to address the problem that's going on in our, in our lives. And here's where the scripture takes us deeper. So it seems like that first two verses fit kind of what we think of in Lent a lot of times. Well, I need to start doing this more and I need to stop doing this and, and do this less. Uh, but this moves us much deeper in terms of our understanding of what that means. In Isaiah, verses 3 through 5, he tells us that our actions may actually negate our prayers and fasting if they do not align with God's priorities. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and you oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day, you will not make your voice heard on high. That you, you can't just say these words and, and say, well, God will listen to me and what my need is. You can't, you can't just be oppressing your workers and turn to God and, and who's against oppressing your workers and, and expect that to, to all work. So there's a real huge warning that comes in this third verse. So that is more than just almsgiving. It's more than just sharing with people we know and we care. It actually goes more deeply than that. And we get a sense of that fasting and prayer, that's important because that's upward and inward. But also the almsgiving, also caring about the people around us and what we can do to make the, the world a better place is going outward. And so what are the things that he wants us to do? And he goes in verse 6 and says, Is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the, poor, the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked, cover him and not hide himself 
from and not hide yourself from your own flesh, which means don't ignore the needs of your own family, your own relatives is what that, that phrase means with this. Does this sound familiar? Reminds me a lot of um, Matthew 25 and the parable of the sheep and the goats and stuff. I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. And, and you see, remember, Jesus was reading these same scriptures, these same words that we're reading. Jesus himself was reading and, and making sense out of what those scriptures meant. And so it takes us to think about this a little differently. Even though we may disagree dramatically on how to address those kind of problems of hunger and oppression and, and uh, these, these types of things, the Lord compels us to care and to pray and to ponder ways to help and be willing to be, do redemptive actions to free and feed and clothe and comfort those living in this darkness of this world before the coming dawn. And what happens when we do? Verse 8 through 12. The light break forth like a dawn and the healing springs up speedily. Your righteousness now shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and shall cry and he will say, here I am. Now the scripture goes on for a few more verses, but I think you, you can understand the point of that. So that, I don't know about you, that really challenges me in terms of what's that mean? How do I get out of just thinking about myself and how I can abide, but that there is a, a result in that in terms of helping those that are around me, but even a greater result in terms of how does that affect the things I, I do for, for all of God's creation and to, to be concerned about those things during the time of Lent. As followers of Jesus, we are ultimately people of hope and action. Lent really is a time of bright sadness. And Ash Wednesday starts it off by reminding us that we are limited beings who go from dust to dust. We're not called to just try to work harder and harder and to do more. We're called to pause. We're called to pay attention to the Lord, to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us about our lives and things that we're filling up with busyness that we need to push aside. It really is a little bit of a sabbatical from all the things that distract us. It's not a time of, of uh, feeling rejected. It's a time of feeling invited and feeling welcomed into to God's presence. We're called to abide in Christ, to confess to receive forgiveness, to forgive others, and reconcile. That's such a part of the theme of what Lynn is, to recognize our utter dependency on God who never abandons us, even in the darkest of nights. Father James said earlier today in his message, for Christians, Ash Wednesday is a countercultural day. While the secular world celebrates the return to life after winter, the rebirth of new life, the excitement of spring break, we set aside a day to accept the fact that we will die and continued prep and continue preparing for what we know is coming to us. And in a few moments, I'll mark your foreheads with the sign of the cross of the ashes. And the ashes are to remind you that you are a sinner. The cross is to remind you that you have a savior. The ashes form the cross because your Savior took those sins upon himself on the cross and took away the sting of death for all who trust him. 
Whenever you remove the ashes, I want you to think about your baptism. To remember that Jesus washed you clean. And don't, you don't bear the mark of your sins forever because of what he has done and what he has done for you. So let you yourself embrace, just embrace this season in all its glory. Lean into it. Let the Holy Spirit form you as you look for the bright sadness and experience such deep gratitude for the sacrifice of Jesus. In the name of the Father, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.